This podcast is brought to you by Scribe, a financial content agency. Just because your financial company and what you do is complex doesn't mean your content marketing has to be. Scribe produces blogs, articles, website and product copy, ebooks, pitch decks, and white papers for everyone from late stage fintech startups to the world's biggest banks and financial brands. Visit us at the Scribe Online. That's www.thescri.be. This is Stream It or Leave It. I like it a lot. Looking for something to watch? You have my undivided attention. We break down the best of streaming TV. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So you can stop scrolling and press play. We don't talk. We hook up. I smoke them up and watch TV. It's great. Tune in each week for our take. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. And now, action. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. And don't call me Shirley. Welcome to Stream It or Leave It. I'm your host, Shindy Chen, and with me, my co-host, Jeff Coons. Howdy. And Matt Sanchez. Hiya. We are so excited about this show. It is the best of 2021. We have each narrowed down our top three of the year. They can be movies or TV series that came out this year. I don't think we we all know what the other picked, so this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and with that, let's get straight into it. Jeff, what was your third favorite TV series or movie that came out this year? Uh, my third pick is season two of Pen15. Hmm. Uh, there, there are a couple of things that I love about this show. The first being that it's definitely from the feminine perspective you know we've all seen all of these sort of coming of age things from the male perspective and i think this is unique from that standpoint um my favorite episode of this season is episode 11 which is called yuki and this one deals with the backstory of maya's mom and i won't give anything away but it's really good oh cool yeah she's a good character um I've only had the chance to watch like a couple episodes of Pen15, but it looks like a lot of fun. I'm excited to watch more of it when I get the chance to. So, Matt, are you really started watching Pen15, right? Yeah, no, I I, I love Pen15. It was in the running here. It's definitely something I try to recommend to as many people as possible. Nice. It's uh, just a lot of fun. And, and like Jeff said, it's just a great to see things from a different perspective. It just feels really fresh and mm -hmm. just pretty hilarious. One of the most consistently funny series I've seen. Although the second season for me, I'm halfway through. It hasn't been getting to me as much as the first season, but there's been some really cool elements. So we'll, we'll definitely keep watching it. Yeah, Very it seems cool. like it's, yeah. it's maturing, you know? It's like it's developing into a little bit more of a serious show than the first well, it's season. it's ended. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and it's over. but yeah. And it's over, yeah. unfortunately, but yeah. <laughs> it's funny because uh, hearing you guys talk about it and watching the first two episodes, and I remember a lot of experiencing that myself going through adolescence yeah. in that age, and it is not an easy age. And so it is, they, they get the awkwardness of that age spot on. So mm -hmm. I'm excited to continue watching it. Matt, what's your third favorite TV series or movie of 2021? Oof. Well, as with any of these lists, it just depends what time of day or day of the week you ask me for. <laughs> right now, this is what I have. 
it was really difficult to narrow it down to three, but I think what brings this choice is that we haven't really done much of this genre. Uh, we've talked about some great shows, but we haven't done anything of this genre. And I happen to be a, a secret fan of this genre, perhaps not so secret. So number three for me was Loki on Disney+. Plus. Wow. Ooh. Interesting. Why did you choose this? I, you're right. I haven't heard many people talk about this. Oh, I've been leading a double life. I've been hiding my secret identity. It's time to to face facts and ruin my credibility. I do like comic book uh, movies if they're well done, which thankfully there's a lot of great stuff out there. So Loki is, is a series that explores what happens to one of Marvel's Cinematic Universe's favorite characters, who is a, a villain, times a goodie, a really complex uh, character called Loki, who is uh, the Lord of Mischief. And he's played really well by Tom Hiddleston. So he's a fan favorite. And they found a really interesting way to bring him back in. And um, it's kind of, yeah, it's a genre series. Unfortunately, it's not, if you're not a huge fan and a huge connoisseur of the Marvel thing, it's it's not your best point of entry. I recommend WandaVision, which was also a lot of fun. And even people who don't know much about the world can get into it. But this one was for fans like myself. It was just really well produced. Uh, it was very ambitious narratively. It goes to some really interesting places. And they shift on from a, a cinema strategy to a TV strategy. And they put on a six-part show, which takes the storytelling forward, uh, breaks a lot of the rules, and really changes the whole universe for the next movie or TV series. So for a fan, it was very satisfying, really well produced, great score, looks fantastic. The production design is outstanding and just a lot of fun. But it's not for everybody. So I kind of hesitated to put it in there. But I had to remark, it was just really great. Hmm. My third favorite TV series that I could not not mention compared to everything else I watched this year, Succession Season 3, it, it just got better. It's one of those shows where it's a comedy masquerading as a drama or vice versa. But the uh, for those of you who don't know, it's executive produced by Will Ferrell used to be the partner of Adam McKay. But, you know, in the early, early days, people thought that this was like a political drama, or like a corporate drama, but there was always this underlying dark comedy element. And now it's sort of evolved into more, you watch this show for the comedy and the crazy things that the characters say to each other. But on top of that, it's just the story of the Roy family keeps developing and evolving. The characters are just fantastically evolving. The acting is brilliant. I think if you talk to any Succession fans out there, they all have their favorites. But it's truly made a star of Kieran Culkin, who plays Roman Roy, the youngest um, member of the family. Are you guys Succession fans at all, or do you watch it? I struggled with it. I can definitely see why people love it. Uh, but I watched three episodes, which I think is is enough. And I was just, I just wasn't quite feeling it. I'm really curious. But it's just not enough to watch however many hours there have been. Succession is one of those shows I would recommend if you've stopped at three, maybe to watch like an episode or two more if you have the patience. It's one of those shows okay. where I didn't think I would get into. It definitely took me like the third or fourth um, episode for it to hook. It's it's one of those where if people ask me to watch Billions. I just That's a show I just can't get into. It's like too close to home as far as work. And I feel like I just would be triggered in so many ways watching that show. So that's, why, I don't know, Succession I can get into. Some people have paralleled it to King Lear with some of the storylines and the themes. But ultimately, it's like despicable people 
thinking and saying despicable things. They're truly detestable. And it's like, is it better to be average or is it better to be like uber, uber wealthy and having the world at your feet where you always have to watch your back? They're not always the happiest mm -hmm. people, but it, it's real about how it encounters that. Truly can say that there's nothing else like it on television at this point for me. So Jeff, what was your second favorite TV series or movie of the year? Let's see here. I'm going to go with Pig with Woo! Nicolas Cage Woo! and uh, Michael Sarnowski's directorial debut, which is hard to believe. And we did a whole show on this. I just love the, the not revenge revenge movie and Cage playing against his, some of his previous hero types and, you know, uh, I won't I won't go into the deep connections to mythology and the Rob slash Robin <laughs> unfolding. But you know, it just felt like there was a tremendous love in the movie all the way through from all the participants. And so it's just a, a pleasure to watch, really. I just really enjoyed that 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 film. For I'm all the listeners, we do have Pig coming soon on a stream it or leave it episode near you so check that out when it's released i mean you could just listen to the whole episode again rather than us going to another deep dive on it matt what was your second favorite of the year my number two i'm going to use a well-worn strategy of list makers everywhere <laughs> which is to make a pairing a thematic pairing so i can sneak in two choices for the price of one mm, okay uh, so these are both musical productions and both kind of built on on a treasure trove of old footage it's uh summer soul on hulu uh the quest love documentary about the 1969 harlem cultural festival um mm -hmm. which is just you know a two-hour documentary and and then also get back which is the documentary about the uh let it be sessions. And there's about seven hours and 45 minutes of that. So yeah, I think I've already spoken to you guys about Get Back. I think a lot of people are aware of that one. It's just mesmerizing, hypnotic, uh, really addictive. Eight hours obviously is a lot of time. It could have been shorter, but I'm glad it's there. And it's a real creature of streaming. You can just flick it on, watch a couple of days worth of footage, turn it off, and then check in on your on on your favorite band members, see what they're up to, see how how they're getting on with the tortuous process of recording this album. Uh, and it's just you know, you get to see the Beatles alive, making incredible songs, jamming to old tunes, having really silly jokes, you know. And John Lennon is just incredible, just to watch him chat, just talk, you know. He makes eating toast look iconic, you know, just having a cup of tea. And just hanging out with Yoko Ono being pretty weird. Uh, so, yeah, very, very watchable. And it's directed by Peter Jackson, who last a couple of years ago did this thing called They Shall Not Grow Old, where he got really old footage from, I think it was the First World War, and remasterized it and colored it and put some dialogue. So I think that's his new thing to be, you know, bringing life to into old footage. Uh, I need to watch that. I haven't watched that. And just briefly, uh, Summer of Soul, I'm not the biggest Questlove fan. I feel that he's a little overexposed, but thankfully in this, he, you only hear his voice at the very end. And it's really just incredible footage um, of this remarkable show that was put together in 1969 that seems to have been completely forgotten about. 
um, mm. featuring uh, incredible lineup. People like a 19-year-old Stevie Wonder, Nina Simone, Gladys Knight, Sly and the Family Stone. The music is unbelievable. The, the quality of the footage is excellent. It was really well recorded. And he uses that as a really good framework to explore cultural themes of the time. And 1969 was a really important time, uh, culturally and politically speaking. One guy summed it up really well. He says 1969 was a pivotal year when the Negro died and Black was born. Mm. So that's a, a line from one of the people we're interviewing. That gives you an idea of what the movie brings in. So yeah, Sounds cool. I really recommend The fashion is also fantastic. I recommend it. I haven't seen either of those. Jeff, have you seen either of those? No. Uh, and and there's both in my list. So oh, I'm definitely nice. looking forward to watching them. I'll have to check those out because I love musical documentaries. Um, oh, treat. Yeah. Nice. Absolute treat. Let's see. My second pick, and I don't know if either of you have watched this, but it was made on Netflix. Mm, Came out recently. Um Matt, it's kind of funny because you're okay with watching eight-hour things when you like them, but it's like you have, <laughs> exactly, yeah, you have no qualms about you know watching eight-hour things. When... Also, I don't, I don't know if I agree with you on Questlove because, like, I like what do you expect a musician to do? I mean, they get popular, and now he's on Jimmy Fallon, <laughs> and it's like, do you, do you want them to not sell out and be poor, or do you want them to be like in the mainstream and, and help? Produce things like Summer of Soul. No, but I think I think it's it's when he is his his face and his presence. He just gets seems to have sold out a little bit. He brings credibility to a lot of projects, and now that credibility in my eyes has waned a little bit. Although with Summer of Soul, it's come back up. But I think it was the Oscars that really was one step too far for me. Having him DJing at the Oscars. Come on, dude, that's not your thing. A little less, please. Super interesting. Uh, okay, sorry. Going back to me, when it hit Netflix, I didn't understand it was in the top 10 immediately. And it's based on uh, a memoir by Stephanie Land. And uh, it's her story. And it just was really gripping from the first episode on. It's about a character named Alex who's fleeing an abusive relationship. And she's played by Margaret Qualley, who's a really talented young actress and, her, and the daughter of Andy McDowell who's one of my favorites and they play real mother and daughter characters on the show. But for anybody who wants to understand how a woman is dealing with an emotionally abusive relationship, she's a single mother. She's incredibly strong and you witness her development and her evolution through this show and all of the people that she encounters. I think the most important thing is that it is a real and honest look at how hard it is when you are struggling in poverty, like how difficult it is to even get access to basic governmental assistance. And these are all things that the um, author detailed in her book, you know, like mm -hmm. how hard it was when you can't afford childcare, but yet you have to work full time and childcare is expensive. And then you have to wait six weeks to get a snap card, which is like the card that you would use to purchase groceries. And so all of these things. And then on top of that, she's dealing with all of these relationship and emotional issues and trying to get custody of her daughter. And um, I found some of these episodes like truly triggering emotionally because mm. um, you watch her making mistakes and it's kind of like a horror movie where you're screaming at the character like, why are you doing this? But you're human, right? It's, it's easy to be a critic when you're watching from an armchair, but this is like a real human story. And it just was very good from beginning to end. 
I could not stop watching it. So emotional, so honest. Um, and if you like those characters, it's a very strong female cast. Uh, one of the characters is Regina, played by Anika Noni Rose, whom I hadn't seen in a long time, so it was nice to see her back. But acting is very good. The writing is great. So highly recommended. Still on my list. Ready? Nice. Queued up. Gotta I check it, it out. Up. I saw it pop up, and I, and I, I read some things, and I, I completely believe you that it's really great, but it just seems like a, a tough watch, and uh, sometimes I... I end up putting on, you know, something a little lighter rather than go for that. It, yeah, I think it does come with that warning that it is not a light watch. Um, mm. It's it's heavy, so you need to have a box of tissues, I think, for almost every episode, and it's intense, but it is so worth it. Um, so anyway, that was one of the few things that really just like got me this year. So. Wow. Uh, Jeff, what <laughs> okay. was your, actually, we're at number one. What was your favorite Woo! thing that you watched this year? How did we get Again? to number one already? Drum roll. Wow. <laughs> 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 well, uh, after much contemplation and consideration, uh, Bo Burnham Inside oh. is my number one pick. Ah. Another stream it or leave it exclusive. <laughs> another stream it or leave it exclusive. Yeah. And I just thought, man, uh, technically amazing, of course. Philosophically solid. <laughs> Self-introspectively jarring and just what a performance. And to do it all from a single room, I think, was clever and creative I agree. Fascinating. And actually, it's one of the things that was shortlisted on the best of the year on the New York Times uh, watching yeah. blog. Yeah, the listeners who don't know, we did do an entire stream and relieve it on Bo Burnham inside. The dude's super talented. I don't think there's any question about that. No. I think it was just his ability to write, direct, make the music. It was incredible to watch. One of the things that I love about his cultural critique is that it, it's self-directed as well. It's not just, you know, hey, I've got it all together and here's all the answers. It's And it's not just making fun of other people, but it's very self-directed. It's, it's introspective. And I think that's really where his art shines anyway, you know? Um, nice. He gets a lot of criticism for being extreme in his uh, presentation sometimes. But I think once you understand that that is self-analysis as well as sort of the cultural critique, it, it makes you think about yourself too. That's a good pick. Truly insightful. Yeah. Matt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, Matt. I think we, I think we all enjoyed, uh, I think oh, we all yeah. enjoyed insights. That was, yeah. uh, <laughs> that was so good. So much fun. Just I'm so... glad we did that too, because I don't think that's one I would have watched on my own. So yeah. Thanks for picking that one. Um, yeah. Matt, favorite of the year. <laughs> My favorite of the year was actually, Woo! this one was pretty easy to pick. I went for <laughs> another one of our oldies that we've talked about and which hopefully will be in an upcoming episode. And that is the uh, HBO Max series, It's a Sin. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew at the time of watching this that this was likely going to be my favorite thing of the year. I just, it mm. was just very, very special from beginning to end. It's, uh, mm -hmm. 
it's a, as we said at, at the time and in an upcoming podcast, it, it was just a masterclass in storytelling. It's uh, just five episodes long, which even for a British series is very compact. And it's the story of uh, a group of friends in uh, navigating the arrival of, of AIDS in 1980s London. And um, it's just a bunch of really talented young actors that form really well-developed and, and engaging characters in that short amount of time. I don't think I've ever laughed and cried in such quick succession in anything I've ever watched. It's just, uh, and it looks beautiful. It's obviously a very dark, heavy topic, but at the same time, it's full of life, which I think is a, is a really good tribute to the people who went through this at the time. And it's also a series, it appears to be underwatched, and not many people seem to be aware of it. So I really wanted to bring it up here and say, yeah, it was one of my favorite things. I agree with yeah, you. Definitely. And yeah, it is. It's another one of our stream it or leave it episodes coming out soon. So yeah, I, thanks for reminding us that it was five episodes because it felt like it was so rich with stories and character development. It did feel like it was much longer than five episodes, but mm -hmm. the sheer amount of talent. Um, yeah, the main character is the lead singer of years and years. For those of you who are like dance pop EDM fans, but and he's perfect for the role because he does sing in the show. He's like an yeah. aspirational theater um, actor. So that was an intense, great show. So good. Um, all right. Which brings me to my favorite of the year. And I feel like Ooh. it's uh, yeah another sort of slept on TV show. And it's the third season of Stiesel on Netflix. Oh. It's actually a story about the Stiesel family. Uh, they're an ultra-Orthodox family in Jerusalem, um, modern day Jerusalem, which is quite interesting because this is one of the few shows that is truly dedicated to filming what it's like to be a harem family in Jerusalem. And it's just fascinating because aside from that, so there's, there's that element to it. So there's like the cultural and the religious themes, but in addition to that, it's just incredibly funny. And the storytelling is fantastic. Each episode is so good. The acting is so good. You wouldn't think that a show in today's age where there's no CGI, no like special effects, there's all it is is like excellent storytelling, humor. It's full of heart. It's a uh, family dynamics. And the two main characters are two um, Israeli actors, Dove Glickman and Michael Aloni. And it's just, I, I think if you guys get a chance to watch Diesel, it wrapped up this year. So this is the last season. I think the way they concluded everything, it was so well done. So it is full of heart and emotion. And I love shows that also expose you to a completely different world where you're sitting there. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, it's like so fascinating. And I found myself researching about their culture and the religion and the customs and the food and that they get married by matchmaking. And, mm -hmm. and it's also about what do you sacrifice as far as your own passions are concerned? when it conflicts with your responsibilities and devotion to God. So, you know, you have these characters who are like artists and singers, but maybe they can't go after their dreams because there's a higher calling that they have to spend most of their time on. So it's, it's truly a fascinating show. Highly recommend it. Hmm. Three seasons on Netflix, but they go by quickly and you get really embedded into this family. So I loved that show. I highly recommend it to anybody. How many episodes should I watch if I'm not getting into it? How many episodes uh, do you think it takes for, for to get a feel for it? 
but it was it was also for me that I was like, what am I watching? But I think by the third or fourth episode, you're really intrigued by these characters. And especially the younger son and the family, he's quite rebellious. Um, anyway, All right. that's our that's, top that's, three. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I've mentioned it because the season of the series came out earlier this year. And I think it was after we... We're doing all of this recording. I had one quick thing I forgot to mention to you. As a fan of uh, Succession, have you seen Peep Show? I have not. Are you aware of that? What is that? So Peep Show is a hilarious, nutty comedy by the creator of um, Succession. It's a very British show. It wow. was it was on when I was quite young, I think. It ran for about seven years, and it's just really out there, hilarious. And it's where... Now Oscar winner Olivia Coleman started, and if you see oh, her no roles way. now and you see the role she played then, it's it's it'll blow your mind. The series itself has a very specific, very zany, kind of crude, but pretty clever style of humor, and I I just love it. It's one of my favorite TV series comedies of nice. all time. So definitely check it out. You'll know in a couple of apps if you're into it or not. Cool. I'm usually into that kind of zany comedy. So it was a uh, Jesse Armstrong was the showrunner. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, nice. yeah. I like him. He's a, he's a Succession guy, right? He's a creator yeah, of Succession. Yeah. Um. After every single episode of Succession, they usually do like a recap. And sometimes he's speaking. You could tell he's just like super on top of his game, super intelligent, like zeitgeisty, right. everything. I'm sure I would like. And I love Olivia Coleman. Do you guys want to do like a lightning round of um? <laughs> honorable mentions i'm just gonna do a lightning round see if you guys like know of any of these the music box documentary series on hbo max is fascinating jeff you saw i think jagged is one of them so oh yeah uh... yeah i think i mentioned this on a previous stream and relieve it but woodstock was one of those yeah woodstock they... 99 hell yeah that's so good but then also the mm -hmm. dmx music documentary just came oh. out and then also Juice World, oh my God! And it's so crazy because obviously they've passed now, and so you get this like last really intense inside look at the last year of these guys' lives, and it's hmm. incredibly emotional and touching. Um, this is a recent one, but Finding Magic Mike <laughs> is also on HBO Max. It's actually so good. I would have never picked it, but somebody recommended it to me. It's basically they take 10 totally average normal dudes and it's, it's a show <laughs> to kind of like bring their masculinity back. And the show is so interesting because it's like they're dancing and they're getting to know each other. And the guys are like, super Wait, so you're going to be ripped and a dancer no, you to don't. be masculine now? No, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> but that's what the show asks. It's like, what is masculinity? Okay. And in a mm. in a year where everybody's like talking about toxic masculinity and all this, there's guys on the show that are like gender fluid. It's really emotional because there's something repressed in some of these guys where they're just like so not confident. And yet they have like super supportive, compassionate coaches. It's incredibly funny. Um, I think they've timed this in line with like the new Vegas show, the Magic Mike show in Vegas. So and then my the franchise. Oh, it's so good though. But if you guys get a chance to watch it, it's like the dudes are, you know, you can't not like them because it's, I know you don't like reality shows, Matt, but. That is sounds interesting. Like, it's short. It's like, and, they're short and sweet. They're, and they're and a I, lot And of I fun. once, 
and I once interviewed the real life Magic Mike, who was oh. in the, the inspiration for the whole thing. So I have a personal stake on this. The guy who used mm. to dance with Channing Tatum before no Chan, when Channing Tatum was a dancer in Florida clubs, and well, who was Channing actually called Tatum. Magic Mike. Yeah, executive producer, and you know he's yeah, working yeah. on Magic Mike three now. But I didn't know what this was until somebody broke down the premise of it. But it's okay. you know it's actually so it good. So those are my two mm -hmm. honorable mentions, and. Then I have like a handful, like Yellowstone, of course, all as a fave, and then Great mm -hmm. British Baking Show. I don't know what it is, but the formula just <laughs> works. I don't know. Every season is the same thing, but I can't stop watching. Jeff, it works. It works. Exactly. Uh, well, since you mentioned that, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in the Great Pottery Throwdown. <laughs> that's another reality competition show, a British competition show that's held in a in a pottery. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I think like a lot of what we're picking are like, uh, what's it? Stitzel, Stizzle, Gyllenhaal. Stizzle. Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. Stizzle. You're trying to say Gyllenhaal again? Stizzle. 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 It's all good. I was going to continue down the, the rabbit hole of sort of getting these peaks into cultures that we don't usually get into, you know, uh, and I think for that reason is uh, one of my picks is Reservation Dogs, which was something yeah. Matt recommended that we see. Yes. And I'm really glad the writers, directors and the players are all indigenous and it gives us a look into those lives uh, that, that have been really misrepresented by Hollywood mm -hmm. in the past. And so I think shows like this are, you know, transformative to culture but also evidence that transformation is taking place. So I really love that. My other pick is called Modern Love. It's on Prime, and it's based on the New York Times Modern Love weekly column. And the TV show, I didn't know this until today, but the TV show came to be in the 17th year of this column. So this thing's been happening for a long yeah. time. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't think season two was as good as season one. But uh, my favorite episode features Minnie Driver, and she does just this really great job. But they're all vignettes, you know, they're all directed by different people. Yeah, it's an anthology series. Different characters in each episode. Yeah, that's what I like yeah, about it. Yeah, but it's it. so good. Yeah, I just really enjoyed that. Is she, that. is Minnie Driver, is Minnie Driver in season two? Yeah. Okay. First episode, I think. Nice. Um, and she's actually featured driving. So that's completely <laughs> mini driver driving. Nice. I love modern love. I, I have also heard that season two is not as good as season one, but I really enjoyed season one. And my favorite was the doorman one where. Yeah. You know, yeah. That was so good. Oh man. Those, there are some that are really, really <laughs> emotional. Um, yeah. I love that column. And I think what I love. I don't about, know if we can get into this stuff. Well, the Modern Love <laughs> column, I think, is nice because um, these stories are submitted by everyday writers. They're not necessarily published authors or anything. Like, anybody can submit a contribution to Modern Love, and if they like it, then they'll publish it. And so sometimes they happen to be professional essayists or writers, but in many cases, it's just like people with incredible stories. Yeah, and it's not yeah. like Boy Meets Girl, like, all the way through. It's... Uh you know, uh, girl meets girl and boy meets boy and girl meets doorman. And, you know, it's modern. So there's girl meets car. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Or so like May December with... romances. Not everyone has like a happy ending either, or even nothing happens at all. It's more of just like an analysis of like, what does it mean? It's kind of mm-hmm. like finding a magic mic. Like, what's masculinity? It's like modern love. Like, what is love? Love could be <laughs> different things with different people. Yeah, in season two, one of the couples have completely different work schedules. Like the the woman works this really early morning shift. And he works, you know, regular nine to five and they're just basically passing each other, you know, but they fall in love and, you know, just all the complexities and dealing with that. So it's just a really good, you know, kind but of. it's well um, acted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's all all very well acted. Yeah. yeah. In the season one, Anne Hathaway plays a character who is dealing with bipolar disorder. disorder yeah, yeah, bipolar mm-hmm. disorder, and she she's incredible during that whole it's episode. Uh, I'm trying to think. Christina Milioti was the one who was in the Doorman episode. She's um, mm-hmm. she's Palm uh, Springs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so good. Um, awesome, Jeff. Was it were those your honorable mentions? Yep, that's it. Sweet, Matt. What others did you? I'll just say sort of nudge out of the top three. Well, just to say, uh, uh, I I will uh, agree with Jeff there again on um, reservation dogs. I'm glad again is bringing something up. And by the way, that's on Hulu. Oh yes, thanks. I mentioned it yet, and I thought they just did a great job of of not just doing storylines about what's different about you know. Uh, if you live in a reservation or whatever, they just portray these characters as, as everyday kids going through everyday lives with, and but also highlighting some interesting elements and bringing some some of their culture into the stories. But that wasn't front and center, so I thought that was really important. So yeah, I really enjoyed that one. For me, I got a lot of joy out of HBO Max, as you guys know. I'm just going to reel it off. White Lotus, mm-hmm. well, obviously a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with that. Hacks was just an excellent little series. Uh, I started fo- watching that. <laughs> didn't finish i like hacks yeah okay really cute. okay it does get better I, I wasn't convinced at first but it really develops as it goes along a hundred foot wave was kind of a docuseries yeah. that was really beautiful uh the investigation a uh a nordic series i think a scandinavian series um Ooh. where they explore uh the real life investigation of a journalist that was killed in a in a homemade submarine and it's just very slow and very moody <laughs> and just really, really well done. Great characters, great actors. No, that, that came new? out this year, uh, but it came out a little while back. I think I mentioned it in oh. one of our apps at some point this year. Uh, that was great. Exterminate All the Brutes was a really fascinating docu-series mm. uh, about imperialism and racism. And uh, uh, mm. the Aurel Peck really brought together some really incredible insights um yeah so that's what i would put in there movie wise was kind of weak pig almost made my top three uh ended up not going for that uh no sudden move i enjoyed judas and the black messiah was a was a really great film and the uh, and to partner with that again uh mlk fbi was a great documentary mm-hmm. along the same themes as as judas and the black messiah Don't know uh, that so one. that's kind of what i have sweet yeah it's really interesting yeah, on Reservation Dogs, I've seen that a lot as like a breakout star. I got to about maybe like the fourth, fifth episode. I need to finish it, but I don't know. Something about it just didn't. Uh, I'm not saying that the stories aren't good, but I just felt it really moved a little slow for me. Um, I like Taika Watiti. I like his work, but there was something that every time I tried to start watching it, I would like get distracted or bored or I don't know, or fall asleep. 
maybe it was the mood I was in. It is slow. Yeah. And, but you know, the moments of yeah. humor and like, there are some laugh out loud moments in the characters, like some mm -hmm. of the characters are fantastic. So oh, I think I just need to watch it in like a different mindset or when I can, you know, focus more attention on it. Cause I, I did like it, but I don't know. I thought it was, it was a little slow. Um, yeah, but well, they do a bit, a bit of a bait and, bait and switch potentially because the first episode makes it out to be something tied to the title, a reservation dogs, reservoir dogs. They're portrayed as this little gang of criminals, so it starts like that, and then it just really slows down. And it's great because then you get to see the characters, and it's it, 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 it's less flashy than it might have been. It's very confident in that way. Uh, so, but it, but that does make it a little slower, and you just gotta yeah get into it. Yeah. Nice. Well, in my list, I thought worth mentioning was Alone. I don't think either of you have watched that. It's basically a survival show. So the latest. That's crazy. It's crazy. The latest season was on Netflix released this year. The, the different thing about this season was the fact that they're all competing for a million dollars. So oh, the lit, what was the 150 before or something? I forget. It was like the, the person who stays the longest wins. But this this year there was a twist. It was like they had to stay a full, I think it was 90 days in order to win the million. So it's like, <sighs> even if you were the last man standing, it didn't matter. You still had to meet the time cut off. And so it's that's a survival show that is like the real deal. It's crazy. Huh. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't anyway, done too many of those. That's, that's a good one to check out. It's it's the characters. Well, they're not characters like real life people, but they're right. survivalists, um, experienced hunters, people who have lived on military guys. Yeah, live off the land. Um, and and I'm not going to have any spoilers here, but it's nice to see more women on the show. And they're Absolutely. badasses, and they hold their they own. Are. They hold yeah. their own. I mean, they're they're not like getting knocked <laughs> out in like the first round, for example. They're uh -uh. they're there, so it's it's awesome to see. I think we're, that's it. Those are our best and most favorite and most loved and most recommended TV shows and movies of 2021. Thank you so much to everybody for listening to us this year, and we will be back in 2022 with a new set of stream it or leave it episodes. Thank you all. Woo! Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Yay! Cheers! That's our show. Are you not entertained? What did you think? Pretty, Why? pretty good. Don't forget to subscribe and find, like, and follow us on social and on YouTube. We don't have faces for radio. Promise. You can't handle the truth. You can also find our show notes on Substack at Stream It or Leave It. See you next time, and thanks for tuning in.